Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We do not always get what we expect. Have you ever put your trust in something or someone only to be let down? This can be frustrating and disappointing, or at worst, it can cause deep hurt, pain, or even loss of direction. Have you ever been frustrated, let down, or deeply hurt or troubled by someone or something who did not live up to your expectations? Now, what I'm saying may sound kind of trite. Uh, as the words uh, enter your ears. But if and when you are in a circumstance where you, your expectations are let down, it can be debilitating. And the truth is, we have all had our expectations broken by the people and things that we have trusted in this world. But sometimes we can even feel as though God has let us down. When someone we love gets sick, when the position that you prayed for ends up going to someone else, when the church that you love so dearly ends up having some sort of conflict tearing it apart, when the path that you felt like God was leading you down ends up in a path that is now intolerable for you, it's true. When it comes to even God, sometimes we can feel as though he has let us down. I have heard t people tell me that if this or that doesn't happen, then they're not sure if they could believe in God anymore. I've heard people say that they have never prayed so hard for something as they're praying for this thing right now. And if God doesn't give it to them well, is he even there? When it comes to God, we sometimes have a hard time understanding what to expect. Our confusion sometimes even comes from reading God's word itself. Let me give you a couple of examples that could confuse you. Sometimes a passage of scripture can make us think that God wants us to expect something from him. He wants us to expect this from him. But actually, he's not even promising that which we are expecting. I know of a couple who had major plans for their home after they were married. I told them that what they were saying could happen, but given their skill sets and their income levels, I thought that they shouldn't set their expectations too high. This couple then told me of a scripture passage that they had memorized and heard sermons about. And, this, and from the sermons they heard, what they understood was God would give them what they wanted if they only sought him first. They read Psalm 37 to me, which reads this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. They said that if they were faithful to God, then according to this verse, he'd be faithful to them. 
Now you may recognize the problem with this situation right away. But imagine if you trusted God fully for a home, for a spouse, for a, you name it. And in the end, he didn't give it to you. Who would be to blame? Did you not trust him hard enough? Did you not delight well enough? Another verse that I often hear quoted is Jeremiah 29.11. This verse reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now people often quote this verse uh, when something bad is happening in their life. Another time that this verse gets quoted um, is, is at graduations or other times when people are uncertain about their future. The, dot, the idea is that things are going to be okay. Or if they are bad, things will get better. Again, the focus is that God is going to make things happen for you in this life one way or another. You are expecting God, again, to give you certain things in the here and now. But this verse and the other verses that are often quoted, uh, they're often quoted out of context, without a correct understanding of what Jesus or the scriptures are doing in this particular passage. For instance, the scripture that we just read in context has nothing to do with positive things happening in the lifetime of any particular individual. The promise was a specific promise from God to the whole people of Israel who were exiled into the kingdom of Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar because they had sinned. That's why they were where were they were. And the immediately preceding verse to the one that we always quote says this. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years, 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. Dot, dot, dot. God was punishing the people of Israel for their disobedience in a particular time, in a particular place. And so they would not despair in their punishment. He reminded them that he always keeps his promises. And the ultimate promise is that he would still send his son to the world through them as a people even though they had terrible disobedience. Even though they had this disobedience, he would not abandon his plan of salvation. When he said that he would prosper them, it wasn't meant to mean or to be understood that every individual would be wealthy. It is not meant to mean that these people individuals would not get sick 
It was not meant to mean that they would be served. It was meant that no matter what they were going through, as a people, God was still going to work through them to bring salvation to the world. That was his promise. And no matter how unfaithful they were, he would still keep his promise. The last scripture uh, that we will look at of many that get abused comes from Romans chapter 8. It reads, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are being called according to his purpose. People quote this passage all the time when they are hoping for a particular thing in this life. I hear this verse, this verse quoted a lot in regards to relationships. That person dumped you. Well, you love God and things are therefore going to work for your good. And you're going to find someone better. In other words, in this verse, it's often understood to mean that a person is going to have some sort of peace and happiness that will become, that will be theirs because they love God. But in particular, this verse, that's not what Paul's saying. I want you to understand who he is writing to. Paul is writing to people who are about to undergo a mass persecution. He was talking to Christians who would be fed to wild animals, to Christians who would be burned at the stake, they, who, Christians who would be tortured. And this verse didn't stop that from happening. Even though they believed on Jesus all the way until it happened. A great number of these people would die confessing Jesus as Lord. For these people, now good would happen to them at their death. They would be going to heaven to see Christ. But Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, wasn't even talking about that. His words were to let the people know that God was going to use their suffering to bring other people to faith in Jesus. Through the death of the martyrs, which was an inexplicable horror, it was. If you can read some of the things that Nero did to the Christians, I wouldn't even want to repeat them here. But even through this horror, God was working all things for the good. In other words, through their death and testimony, people would come to saving faith in Jesus. Their deaths would be used for God's saving purpose, for their death would bear witness of Jesus who died whose death alone could pay for the sins of the world. This was the good that this passage is speaking of. So I always encourage people with this passage to let them know that they may or may not be brought out of their suffering. But they can be sure, no matter what, that God is working through their lives.
God is working through your life to bear witness to Jesus' saving work. You may not have any idea how this is happening, but you can rest in His promise that what you are going through is not in vain. And just as heaven is yours because people carried God's word with them through the good times and through the bad, heaven will be someone else's because the church, which includes you, is still living, still enduring, still proclaiming God's word in season and out. The church reigns, even in this suffering world, as it pulls sinners out of the jaws of death into the arms of Jesus in everlasting life. Through the mighty word of God, through the lavish washing away of sins, and by the body and blood of Jesus eaten and drank, God is working all things for the good of those who will receive him and thereby love him because he first loved them. Sometimes when we look at God's word and then look back on our lives, we can be troubled and disappointed. But chances are when this happens, our expectations weren't springing from faith in God and love for our neighbor. Most likely when we are disappointed, and it happens to all of us, but when this happens, our hopes are springing from our desires and from our own expectations on how we think things should be. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent words by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we be expecting someone else? Who is this? This is John the Baptist. He is the one who is to prepare the way for Jesus. I love this picture. It shows him in prison with his head held low. Not unlike sometimes we get. But this is John. The Benedictimus that we sing in Matins is the song of John's father. In this song, Zechariah held up his infant son and said, And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. Whatever John expected about his future, where he was sitting in that prison was not expected. Jesus himself would say of John, now listen to this. If we expect good things for being good, listen to this. John said, or Jesus said of John, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one, no one greater than John the Baptist. And look where his faithfulness led him. Jesus himself says that this is the best man that would ever live. And you can be sure that sitting in a prison cell was not the desires of his heart. At this point, he couldn't see the plans of wealth and prosperity. I know the plans I have for you. 
He couldn't see that as he ate whatever the first century prison food was given to him. And at this point, it didn't seem like what he was experiencing was something that was working for his good or for anyone else's good. John's expectations were crushed. And what did John do when he was crushed and hurt by broken expectations? He did exactly what you and I should do. He turned to Jesus. He was honest with Jesus and he shared with him that he had doubts about how his situation was being taken care of. About how was this good for anybody. He even asked Jesus if he was the Christ or if he was mistaken. John wondered if his whole life was a sham. And Jesus answered them, his disciples, go and tell John. Tell him what you hear, what you see, that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. Tell him that the dead are raised up and that the poor have good news preached to them. And tell him, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What kind of answer is that? Well, for John, it was exactly the best answer that he could have ever received. You see, Jesus pointed out to John that the very actions that he did were a fulfillment of God's word. In other words, Jesus, through the testimony of the scriptures, was letting John know that even though his situation wasn't what he expected, God in the person of Jesus was keeping his promise. John went to Jesus in the midst of his struggles and the scriptures were actually clarified. And they were even more comforting to him than they were at first. You see what the scriptures proclaim? Jesus is with the blind. He is with the lame, the lepers, the deaf, the poor. He is even with the dead to raise them. Jesus is with the suffering and he is there to give them peace in their situation and he is there ultimately to give them heaven that they could never earn. He took their infirmities upon himself and he would crucify them in his death. And when he rose, those infirmities that have to do with the fall would be cast to hell. And they would be replaced by everlasting glory with God in heaven. Now Jesus' answer didn't take John out of his situation. But it did bring Jesus to where he was. Jesus came to him through the scriptures spoken by his friends. I don't know what kind of situation you find yourself in, and I don't know how you have been let down in this life. But I pray that when you are hurt, you would turn to Jesus. And I pray that he would teach you to not set your hearts 
on things that you can receive or accomplish on this earth. But rather, I pray that he would teach you to set your hopes on the Jesus of the scriptures. And that you would see that Christ is with you. And because of this peace, heaven is yours. No matter what is happening to you, you can trust that God will use your suffering for the sake of his kingdom, even if you can't see the purposes. And on the last day, know that he will wipe away every tear from your eye. And you will understand that, yes, it is true, things were not as you expected at all. But things were actually better than you ever thought they were because all along God was loving you and through you he was loving those who you knew. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.